Hello and welcome to another edition of On the Board. Today we're going to talk about the NFL and college football and specifically should they return to play this season. Of course there are a lot of opinions on both sides. I'm very much on the side that they should play with a slight exception which I'll explain later. So you know I'm a football coach. I played football, I work and have worked as a broadcaster, I am also a coach. Football is huge for me. I know it's huge for a lot of people. It drives so much, not just of revenue, but of culture. Think about the Super Bowl. Of course, that's the biggest game of the year, but... How would business be different if there was no season, no Super Bowl, no college football, no college football playoff? You won't be charged $5 million for a 30-second TV ad in the Super Bowl if it wasn't a big deal. College football wouldn't get monster ratings every year airing their championship on a Monday night if it wasn't a big deal. Of course, there's a ton of money in this, and of course, we shouldn't say, just play because of the money that would be lost. We obviously need to factor in the health of people. But speaking of that, and because of that, I think this is the right time to do it. Something that should be noted right off the top that is very important is that health is not just physical. Health is mental. And maybe you haven't played football before. Maybe you have played and you have bad memories and you're against the game. I'm not here to judge. I'm just saying the people that have played and have had positive experiences, of which they are numerous, have had a positive mental health benefit from playing the game. Therefore, if you take that away, you're hindering their mental health. Just like anything else, if you do something for so long, for many days, if not every day of the week, for many weeks and months and years on end, and then you just stop, that's not an easy situation to say the least. And a lot of times that leads to destructive behavior. I'm not trying to get serious, I'm just stating what happens. So that's a factor that obviously we don't want to confront. But let's start with the NFL. Tom Pelissero tweeted out earlier today how NFL research noted that there are only 27 players still on the reserve COVID-19 list, meaning there's 107 players that had gone on the list and only 27 remain. So 80 have been activated. That's essentially a 75% clip saying that of the players that were initially put on that list, 75% have already come back. And that's important because this is the time where tests are most apt to be positive. Players coming from uncontrolled environments, they're just now coming into camp. They've been there for about a week, so they're they're just getting acclimated to everything. You expect positive tests because they're coming from an uncontrolled environment. But then it also says... Only 25% of those players are still on the list. 
Now, another way to put that is 27, Pelissero noted, is roughly 1% of the league. And that's very important to note. If the toughest time for testing, which is now, again, coming from an uncontrolled environment, is going to cause only 1% of players to still be on the list, and the way the numbers are going, that's going to go way down. If that's the case, you're going to tell me the NFL, which is in the double digits of billions of dollars made every year, isn't going to find a way to play games this year. And there also are 18 teams with no players on the list. So over half the league has no players on the list. If you're objective, you start to notice that it seems some people are looking for a problem where there is none. Not speaking literally, I'm speaking practically. A lot of people are looking for a problem when there isn't one. Or at least this one is under control. And that's the key word here, control, which dovetails into the college game. That's a different situation. They have a lot of programs, have a lot of resources financially in terms of employees, facilities, and so forth. It's not like the pros. The pros have a union, so they have professionals negotiating for them and looking out for their best. But college, especially the top tier, isn't that far behind. Would they be safer in school or at the facility or should they be sent home? I think it's pretty clear they'd be safer playing football in the facility. There are people whose sole job is to look after players' gloves or shoulder pads or whatever kind of equipment. There are people who do nothing more than to just specialize in one area of a program. So you can't tell me it's a matter of staffing. It's not a matter of financial resources. And the players, by and large, want to play. So again, it looks like people that have the ability to make the decision, or even some fans are looking for a problem when there is none. A lot of these people... Most of them, I would say, probably all the, and this is not hyperbole, probably all these people, coaches included, would be safer in this kind of controlled environment. And we're talking FBS, so division, what used to be called Division 1A. But these programs have tremendous resources, not only because of their success, but because they, by and large, fuel the success of that entire athletic department. So really, this is not just a college football decision. This is a college sports decision. You want to cancel college football? You're essentially canceling college sports. I live in Towson, Maryland. A few years ago, the athletic director at the time chose to cut some men's sports. They had their reason. I'm not getting into it other than to say... Those sports are no longer there. And this was when there was no virus and there was the same financial hurdles then that there are now in terms of fundraising. And Towson's a big school. Towson's a good school. They have a lot of successful programs in their athletic department. But at that time, it couldn't work out. So taking away the only real earning from a program... You think they're just going to roll roll out next year and start again like business as usual? 
No way. So I just really hope the people that are making this decision know that it's not just, hey, you know, I think by the new year we'll have a vaccine or we'll have things more under control than they are now. So these next few months, you don't want to take a chance. You have to understand this is not a three-month decision. College football is usually done by beginning of January. Say, just take the year off, the rest of the calendar year. We'll start again next year. It's not going to work if you do that. Just the way funding works and scheduling and some people say play in the spring. Well, then you have to turn around and, you know, play again in the fall. And then you have other camps that you start usually in the spring. A lot of teams have their spring football games in April. That's not an option. So you have to realize this is not just a decision for the next three months. It's not a decision for college football. It's a decision for college athletics. And a lot of the lower leagues and divisions have already canceled. And just in terms of number of people affected, say there's 100 people per team. There's far more, but just for the sake of discussion. So, you know, a lot of teams have 100 players on their roster, whether it be active guys or practice squad guys or injured players, whatever. And then you have to add medical staff, obviously coaches, social media, people that travel with the team, sports information, people that travel with the team, stuff like that. But just to say for the sake of discussing, 100 per team, of all the level of college footballs, Division 1, 2, and 3, junior college, 893 programs times 100, there's probably more. So you're looking at nearly a, 1 million people affected by your decision to say, you know, I don't think we should play college football, knowing they're safer where they are. I mean, if you're really talking about safety, you should encourage them to play. What sense does it make to take them from an extremely controlled, well-funded, well-staffed environment to go back to their home where anything goes? Yeah, they're probably safe there, but maybe their neighbors aren't. Maybe the people at the store aren't, you know. It, it's just, it, it's so confusing to me. Anyway, the last thing I'll say about this is that, again, we know this is not just a college football decision. When we talk about the big picture, the NCAA, they already canceled their spring sports and championships. So again, forget for a minute the social aspect, the mental health aspect, which would be a huge loss. And that is not to be belittled. But if we're even if we're only focusing on money, which is not all there is, I grant you it's the leading force, but that's not everything. What are sponsors going to do now? If I'm a big sponsor for the NCAA and I know what my balance sheet has said at the end of each year doing business with them, it's been really good. Generally, same, same a big time advertise for college football. I'm looking at the, I, all the information they have, I have. I'm in tune with all the testing, all the numbers. I'm looking at other leagues, seeing how they've done it with less success, or they've started with less control of their environment that we have in our facilities. And I'm saying, wait a minute, you're going to pass up all this good business for what? If it's for safety, that doesn't hold because kids are safer in the schools. If you're worried about a lawsuit, here's the solution. Have kids sign waivers. Have coaches sign waivers. 
I guarantee you it wouldn't be unanimous, but it would be the majority. Have you seen recently Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Chuba Hubbard, all these stud stars, Heisman hopefuls even, saying we want to play, let us play. Jim Harbaugh, Scott Frost, all these big-time coaches, let us coach. Ryan Day, Ohio State, let us coach. It's overwhelming the amount of people who are behind playing. People have even said, coaches have even said, I believe it was Ryan Day at Ohio State, look, if Big Ten's not going to play, we'll look at playing at another conference. It means too much, and too much has been invested in sweat equity and in dollars and in time for this to be canceled. Especially with the waiver aspect, you tell players to sign a waiver. I'll bet you a lot of money most people would do that. Because essentially, when they go out on that field, they're signing a waiver. They know the risk. I want to do this anyway because I believe not only the joy it gives me, the lessons it teaches me, but the opportunity it provides to me and my family down the road is greater than the potential risk of getting injured. They're signing a waiver with every snap they take. All of a sudden, they're going to say, eh, you know what? I know uh, I've been running miles and miles and lifting hundreds of pounds of weights and waiting for this one moment. You know, I redshirted, say, for example, and this may be my one year of college football, if not my life, to really, truly start and make a difference. Maybe get drafted. You think they're going to say, well, you know, we look at the NFL, and they're not even playing yet, but only 1% of the league's on the list. We have almost as good of a facility and medical personnel as they do. That's too much of a risk. No way! And look, it's not like it's March. And there's one thing to cancel March Madness. You know, as a fan, I didn't like it, but as a pragmatist, I agreed with it. Because at that time, we didn't know what was going on. We didn't know the depth of the situation. All of our equipment and facilities were were being overrun. Now, testing, tracking, personal protective equipment aren't a problem. Now we know about how to treat it. We know about testing. We have so many more answers, so much more capacity at hospitals if need be. All these factors point to playing the season. A friend of mine said at the beginning of this, fear is the real virus. Fear is the real virus. I'll say this again. I'm not here to judge you. If you disagree, if you think we shouldn't play college football, that's your right and you're welcome to that. I feel strongly about my belief, as you can probably tell, I would just hope that if your stance is to not play football, it's not a fear-based deduction. It's a reason-based deduction. I would just hope that you and the people that are advocating to not play sports, and for that matter, to not open schools, to not open businesses, aren't doing so because 
they've seen tweets or they've looked at a repetitive news cycle where it's like a ticker of coronavirus cases. I just hope that it's not being fueled by fear because if that's the case, you have reached a conclusion that is quite literally unreasonable. It's based on fear, which is worry, which is stressing about something you don't even know exists or may not come to pass. We know testing has gotten better. We know cases are going down, especially in these controlled environments. Look at all the other pro sports. They're going on. It's looked different, sure. Will there be no fans? Probably. Should there be fans? Probably not. At least until you get the player situated. I mean, that's a different conversation. I'm just saying to just make a blanket statement to say you shouldn't play college football because you're worried. Well, I don't know if that holds weight because you may be worried about something. And the people involved may still want to do it. Players and coaches want to play and coach. And you can talk about money. You can talk about health. You can talk about social aspects. You can talk about mental health. All these things matter. They all point to, in my opinion, playing. So much good will come of this. And here's the last thing I'll say in the whole matter. What if we as fans... We as a nation pivoted from a defeatist attitude saying, I hope this doesn't get worse, to how can it get better? Not being delusional, not being overly hopeful, just saying, why can't we take a different perspective? What about this? What about if we play football, assuming all the protocols stay in place, and if there's a spike, you shut it down. I'm for that. But what if there's no spike? And what if this is the catalyst to the recovery? What if playing football restarts the economy, rejuvenates the spirits of fans, and helps America get back on its feet? Of course, it's a game. It's not going to cure everybody. I'm not saying it's the cure, but I'm saying it'll go a long way in helping to get that process started, or continue it, I should say. There's an opportunity here. And once again, the NFL, being at the forefront, will have taken that opportunity, as they frequently do, which, by the way, will yield them a hefty benefit. I want to thank you for listening. I know it's kind of a more of a serious topic today than we usually talk about, but I thought it was worth talking about. I wanted to get your input. I'm wondering what you're thinking. Drop a comment, a rating. Love for you to share this on any social platform you use. I'd really appreciate that. And look forward to our next podcast where we will go over the 2020 NFL season. Record predictions, award predictions. It's going to be a good time. It's going to come, I have a feeling, and I hope, it's going to come at a time we were just so ready for it. We're less than a month away, people. We're almost there. I'm Mike Fast. This has been On the Board.